Chapter 4 Nehemiah Uncompromising Vision I want to call your attention now to the prophet Nehemiah. We can find some help from that distinguished man who accomplished a great work. He was one of the last of the prophets, supposedly contemporary with Malachi. His book might have been one of the last of the Old Testament books written. He may have known Daniel, for he was a young man in the declining years of that very eminent and godly statesman. We are sure of one thing. Nehemiah was a man of sterling worth. Although he was brought up in the Persian court among idolaters, he had a character that has remained untarnished all these centuries. Notice his prayer in which he made confession of Israel's apostasy from God, Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 4-11. through 11. There may be some confessions we need to make in order to be brought into close fellowship with God. I have no doubt that many Christians hunger and thirst for a personal blessing and have a great desire to grow closer to God. If that is the desire of your heart, you must keep in mind that if there is some obstacle that you can remove, you will not get a blessing until you remove it. We must cooperate with God. If there is any sin in my heart that I am not willing to give up, then I do not need to pray. You can take a bottle, cork it up tight, and put it under Niagara Falls, and not a drop of that mighty volume of water will get into the bottle. If there is any sin in my heart that I am not willing to give up, I do not need to expect a blessing. The people who have had power with God in prayer have always begun by confessing their sins. Consider the prayers of Jeremiah and Daniel. Jeremiah cried to the Lord, We acknowledge, O Lord, our wickedness and the iniquity of our fathers, for we have sinned against Thee. Jeremiah chapter 14, verse 20. Jeremiah confessed the sins of the people as if he had been one of the guilty ones. See how David confessed his sins and what power he had with God. See Psalm 32 and Psalm 51. Daniel confessed his sin when there isn't a single sin recorded against him. But he confessed his sin and the sins of the people. Notice how Daniel confessed his sins and the sins of the people and what power he had with God. Scripture And I prayed unto the Lord my God, and made my confession, and said, Now, O Lord, Thou great God, who is worthy to be feared, who keeps the covenant and the mercy with those that love Thee and keep Thy commandments, we have sinned, we have committed iniquity, we have done wickedly, and we have been rebels, and we have departed from Thy commandments and from Thy judgments. We have not hearkened unto Thy slaves, the prophets, who spoke in Thy name to our kings and to our princes, to our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, according to all Thy righteousness, let Thine anger and Thy fury be turned away from Thy city Jerusalem, Thy holy mountain. Because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and all Thy people is given in reproach to all that are about us. Now therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of Thy slave and his supplications, and cause Thy face to shine upon Thy sanctuary that is made desolate by the Lord. O my God, incline Thine ear and hear, open Thine eyes, and behold our desolations, and the city which is called by Thy name. For we do not present our supplications before Thee, confiding in our righteousnesses, but in Thy many mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for Thine own sake, O my God, 
for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. And whiles I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, I was even yet speaking in prayers, and that man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, flying swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening sacrifice. Daniel chapter 9 verses 4 through 6 and verses 16 through 21. It is a good thing for us to begin, as Nehemiah did, with prayer. It seems that some men had come from his country to the Persian court, perhaps to see the king on business. Nehemiah, who was in high favor with the king, met them, and learning that they had come from Jerusalem, he inquired about his country. Nehemiah chapter 1 verses 1 through 3. He not only loved his God, but he loved his country. I like to see a patriotic man. Nehemiah inquired about his people and about the city Jerusalem that was very near to his heart. He had never seen the city. He had no relations back there in Jerusalem that he knew of. Nehemiah was not a Jewish prince, although it is supposed he had royal blood in his veins. He was born in captivity. It was about a hundred years after Jerusalem had been taken that he appeared on the scene. He was in the court of Artaxerxes as a cupbearer to the king, and he held a high position. Yet he longed to hear from his native land. When these men told him the condition of the city, that the people were in great need and distress and degradation, that the walls of the city were still down and the gates had been burned and not yet restored, Nehemiah's patriotic heart began to burn. We are told he fasted and prayed and wept. Not only did he pray for one week or one month, but he kept on praying. He prayed day and night. Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 6. Having many duties to perform, of course he was not always on his knees, but in his heart he was always before the throne of grace. It was not hard for him to understand and obey the precept, pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17. He began the work in prayer, continued in prayer, and the last recorded words of Nehemiah are a prayer. Those men had arrived at that court in November or December, but Nehemiah prayed until March or April before he spoke to the king, Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 1 and chapter 2 verse 1. If a blessing doesn't come tonight, pray harder tomorrow, and if it doesn't come tomorrow, pray harder. Then if it doesn't come, keep right on praying. You will not be disappointed. God in heaven will hear your prayers, and He will answer them. He has never failed to do so, if one has been honest in his petitions and honest in his confessions. Let faith produce patience. According to Augustine, God is never in a hurry, because He has all eternity to work. The first chapter of Nehemiah contains the prayer of this wonderful man. His prayer has been on record all these years and has been a great help to many people. Scripture I beseech Thee, O Lord God of heavens, strong, great, and terrible, who keeps covenant and mercy for those that love Thee and observe Thy commandments. Let Thine ear now be attentive and Thine eyes open, that Thou may hear the prayer of Thy slave, which I pray before Thee now day and night for the sons of Israel Thy slaves, and I confess the sins of the sons of Israel with which we have sinned against Thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against Thee, and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which Thou didst command Thy slave Moses. 
Remember, I beseech thee, the word that thou didst command thy slave Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the peoples. But if ye turn unto me, and keep my commandments, and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heavens, yet will I gather them from there, and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to cause my name to dwell there. Now these are thy slaves and thy people, whom thou hast ransomed with thy great power and with thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy slave, and to the prayer of thy slaves who desire to fear thy name, and prosper, I pray thee, thy slave this day, and grant him grace before this man. Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 5-11 through 11. When he began to pray, I do not think that he thought he was to be the instrument in God's hand for building the walls of Jerusalem. But when a man gets into sympathy and harmony with God, God prepares him for the work he has for him. No doubt he thought the Persian king might send one of his great warriors to accomplish the work with a great army of men, but after he had prayed for months, he may have thought, why shouldn't I go to Jerusalem myself and build those walls? Prayer for the work will soon arouse your own sympathy and effort. It meant a lot for Nehemiah to give up the palace of Shushan and his high office and to identify himself with the despised and captive Jews. He was among the highest in the whole realm. Not only that, but he was a man of wealth, lived in ease and luxury, and had great influence at the court. For him to go to Jerusalem and lose his position was like Moses turning his back on the palace of Pharaoh and identifying himself with the Hebrew slaves. Yet we might never have heard of either of them if they had not done this. They humbled themselves to conquer, and when you humble yourself, God will bless you. Plato, Socrates, and other Greek philosophers lived in the same century as Nehemiah. How few have heard of them and read their words compared with the millions who have heard and read of Nehemiah during the last two thousand years. If we are to be blessed in this world, we must be willing to take any position into which God puts us. So after Nehemiah had prayed a while, he began to pray that God would send him and that he might be the man to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. After Nehemiah had been praying for a while, he was in the banqueting hall one day, and the king noticed that his countenance was sad. We might not have called the face sad, but much prayer and fasting changes the very countenance of a person. I know some godly men and women who seem to have the stamp of heaven on them. The king noticed a strange look about this cupbearer, and he questioned him. Then the thought came to Nehemiah that he would tell the king what caused his sorrow, how his own nation was degraded, and how his heart was breaking for his own country. After he had told the king, the king asked, What is your request? Now, some people tell us that they don't have time to pray. But I say that if anyone has God's work lying deep in his heart, he will have time to pray. Nehemiah shot up a prayer to heaven right there in the king's dining hall that the Lord would help him make his request in the right way. I have little doubt that he first looked beyond Artaxerxes, to the king of kings. We don't need to make long prayers. Someone who prays much in private will make short prayers in public. The Lord told Nehemiah what to ask for, that he might be sent to his own country, that some men might go with him, and that the king would give him letters to the governors through whose provinces he would pass, so that he might have a profitable journey and be able to rebuild the walls of his city. God had been preparing the king, for the king at once granted the request and before long, 
Nehemiah was on his way to Jerusalem. When he reached the city, he didn't send a lot of men to go before him, blowing trumpets and announcing that the cupbearer of the great Persian king, the converted cupbearer, had arrived from the Persian court and was ready to build the walls of Jerusalem. Some people always talk about what they are going to do. Let the work speak for itself. You don't need to blow any horns. Go and do the work, and it will advertise itself. Nehemiah didn't have any newspapers writing about him or any billboards. However, there was no little commotion. No doubt everyone in town was talking about it, saying that a very important person had arrived from the Persian court, but he was there three days and three nights without telling anyone why he had come. One night he went out to survey the city. He tried to ride around the walls of Jerusalem, but he couldn't, so he walked around. It was a difficult task that he had before him, but he was not discouraged. That is what makes character. People who can go into a hard field and succeed are the people we need. Many people look for easy places, but the world will never hear of them. We need people who look for difficult places, who are willing to go into the darkest corners of the earth and make those dark places bloom like gardens. They can do it if the Lord is with them. Everything looked dark before Nehemiah. The walls were broken down. There was not a man of influence or a man of culture or wealth among the people. The nations all around were looking down on these weak, feeble Jews. So it is in many churches today. The walls are down and people say it is no use. Their hands drop down by their side. Everything seemed against Nehemiah, but he was a man who had the fire of God in his soul. He had come to build the walls of Jerusalem. If we could have seen into his head, we would have found Jerusalem stamped on his brain. If we could have looked into his heart, we would have found Jerusalem there. He was a fanatic. He was terribly in earnest. He was an enthusiast. I like to see a man take up a cause and say, I will do it. I live for this thing, this one thing I am determined to do. We spread ourselves so thin by trying to do so many things that the world never hears of us. After Nehemiah had been in the city three days and nights, he called the elders of Israel together and told them why he had come. God had been preparing them. For the moment he told them, they said, Let us rise up and build. Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 18 There has not been a work undertaken for God since Adam fell that has not met with opposition. If Satan allows us to work unhindered, it is because our work is of no consequence. The first thing we read after the decision had been made to rebuild the walls is, When Sandballat the Horonite and Tobiah the slave, the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 19 These men were very indignant. They didn't care for the well-being of Jerusalem. Who were they? They were a mixed multitude who had no portion nor righteousness nor memorial in Jerusalem. Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 20 They didn't like to see the restoration of the ruins, just as people today do not like to see the cause of Christ prosper. The offense of the cross has not ceased. It doesn't take long to build the walls of a city if you can just get all the people at it. If the Christians of this country would rise up, 
we could evangelize America in 12 months. All the Jews had a hand in repairing the walls of Jerusalem. Each person, priest and merchant, goldsmith and apothecary, and even the women, built over against their own house. The men of Jericho and other cities came to help. The walls began to rise. This stirred up Nehemiah's enemies, and they began to ridicule. Ridicule is a mighty weapon. Scripture What are these feeble Jews doing? asked Sanballat. Is this to be permitted them? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish on time? Will they resurrect the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which were burned? Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 2. Even that which they build, if a fox were to go up it, he would break down their stone walls, said Tobiah the Ammonite. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 3. Nehemiah was wise. He paid no attention to them. He just looked to God for grace and comfort. Scripture. Hear, O our God, for we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own head, and give them for a prey in the land of their captivity, and do not cover their iniquity, nor let their sin be blotted out from before thee, for they have become angry against the builders. Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 4 through 5. Young man, if you wish to be successful in this world, pay no attention to Sanballat or Tobiah. Don't be kept out of the kingdom of God or out of active Christian work by the scorn and laughter and ridicule of your godless neighbors and companions. Next, these enemies conspired to come and fight against Jerusalem. Nehemiah was warned, so he took steps to guard against them. Half of the people were on watch, and the other half held a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other. There was no eight-hour workday then. They were on duty from the rising of the morning sun until the stars appeared. They did not take off their clothes except to wash them. Imagine this man who had come from the Persian court with all its luxury, living and sleeping in his clothes for fifty-two days. But he was in earnest. Ah, that is what we need. We need people who will set themselves to do one thing and keep at it day and night. All the people were instructed to lodge within the city, so they would always be on hand to work and fight. If only we could get all who belong inside the church to come in and do their share. Happy is the church, someone says, whose workers are well skilled in the use of the scripture, so that while strenuously building the gospel wall, they can fight if an occasion requires it. We all ought to be ready to use the sword of the Spirit. After a while, some men wrote a friendly letter and wanted Nehemiah to go down on the plain of Ono and have a friendly discussion. Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. It is a masterpiece of the devil to get people into friendly discussions. Nehemiah did not have a typewriter or a printed form letter in those days, but he always sent back the same reply. I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 3. How many churches have turned aside for years to discuss questions of the day and have neglected the salvation of the world because they had to go down to the plain of Ono and have a friendly discussion. Nehemiah had a good policy. I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. If God has sent you to build the walls of Jerusalem, you go and do it. They sent him another letter, and again he sent word back, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. He did not believe in coming down. They sent him another letter, and he sent back the same word, 
They sent him a fourth letter with the same result. They wanted to kill him on the way, but they could not get him to come down. I have seen many Christian men on the plain of Ono, men who were doing a splendid work, but had been distracted and turned aside. Think how much work has been neglected by temperance advocates in this country because they have gone into politics or began discussing other issues. How many times has the Young Men's Christian Association been sidetracked by discussing some other subject instead of holding Christ up before a lost world? If the church would only continue building the walls of Jerusalem, the walls would soon be built. It is a shrewd devil that we have to contend with. Do you know it? If he can get the church to stop its work to discuss these questions, he has accomplished his desire. Nehemiah's enemies wrote him one more letter, an open letter, in which they wrote that they were going to report him to the king because they heard that he was going to set up a kingdom in opposition to the Persians. Treason has an ugly sound, but Nehemiah committed himself to the Lord and went on building. Then his enemies hired a prophet, one of his friends. A hundred enemies outside are not half as hard to deal with as one inside, a false friend. When the devil gets possession of a child of God, that person will do the work better than the devil himself. Temptations are never so dangerous as when they come to us in a religious appearance. Tobiah and Sanballat bought up one of the prophets and hired him to try to persuade Nehemiah to go into the temple that they might put him to death there. He said, Nehemiah, there is a plan to kill you. Come into the temple. Let's go in and stay for the night. Nehemiah was not deceived, and he said, Should such a man as I flee? And who is there as I who could go into the temple and live? I will not go in. Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 11. After he had refused the invitation, he realized that this man was a false prophet. So by standing his ground, he succeeded in building the walls of Jerusalem in fifty-two days. Then the gates were set up, and the work was finished. During all these centuries, this story has been told. If Nehemiah had remained at the Persian court, he might have died a millionaire, but he never would have been heard of even twenty years after his death. Do you know the names of any of Nineveh's millionaires? This man stepped out of that high position and took a low position, one upon which the world looked down upon and frowned, and his name has been associated with the walls of Jerusalem all these centuries. Young man, if you want to be immortal, become identified with God's work, paying no attention to what people outside say. Nehemiah and his associates began at sunrise and worked until it grew so dark they could not see. A man who will take up God's work and work summer and winter throughout the year will have a harvest before the year is over, and the record of it will shine after he enters the next world. The next thing we learn about Nehemiah is that he organized a great open-air meeting for the reading of the Law of Moses in the hearing of the people. A pulpit of wood was built that was large enough to hold Ezra the scribe and thirteen others. The people wept when they heard the words of the law, but Nehemiah said, Do not mourn nor weep. Go, eat the fat and drink sweet wine, and send portions unto those who have nothing prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord and not sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 9-10 through 10. He did not forget the poor. Reading the Bible and remembering the poor, a combination of faith and works will always bring joy. 
Nehemiah then began to govern the city and correct the abuses he found existing. He gathered about fifty priests and scribes together and made them sign and seal a written covenant. Five things were in that covenant that I want to call attention to. First, they were not to give their daughters to the heathen, Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 30. They had been violating the law of God and had been marrying their daughters to the ungodly. God had forbidden them to intermarry with the heathen nations in the land of Canaan, for they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods, and the anger of the Lord will be kindled upon you and destroy thee suddenly. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 4. I have known many people who have lost their power by being identified with the ungodly. If you want to have the blessing of God rest upon you, you must be very careful about your alliances. The Jews always got into trouble when they married with the nations around them. The houses of Ahab and Solomon lost their kingdoms by that sin. That was the cause of the overthrow of David's kingdom. Families who marry for wealth and marry the godly to the ungodly always bring distress into the family. Next, Nehemiah made them sign a covenant that they would keep the Sabbath, that they would not buy on the Sabbath day. Think of this man who was brought up in the environment of a heathen court, where they had no Sabbath, coming to Jerusalem and enforcing the law of Moses. It is recorded that they brought fish, and he would not let them into the city on the Sabbath, and the fish spoiled. Nehemiah chapter 13, verses 16 through 20. After they had tried that a few times, they gave up. If you will take your stand for God, even if you stand alone, it will not be long before you will get others to stand with you. God stood with Nehemiah, and he carried everything before him. I don't believe we will have the right atmosphere in this country until we can get people who have enough backbone to stand up against what they believe is wrong. If it is a custom rooted and grounded for a hundred years, it doesn't matter. Take your stand against it if you know it is wrong. If you have gatherings where it is fashionable to have wine and champagne and you do not drink alcohol, if you are asked to go somewhere that will have alcohol, tell them you are not going. A man asked me some years ago, Mr. Moody, now that I am converted, must I give up the world? I said, no, you don't have to give up the world. If you give a good sound testimony for the Son of God, the world will give you up pretty quick. They won't want you around. There was going to be a great celebration at the opening of a saloon and billiard hall in Chicago, in the northern part of the city where I lived. It was to be a gateway to death and hell, one of the worst places in Chicago. As a joke, they sent me an invitation to go to the opening. I took the invitation and went down and saw the two men who owned the saloon. I asked them, is this a genuine invitation? They said it was. Thank you, I said, I will be around. If there is anything here I don't like, I may have something to say about it. They said, you are not going to preach, are you? I may. We don't want you. We won't let you in. How are you going to keep me out? I asked. Here is the invitation. We will put a policeman at the door. What is the policeman going to do with that invitation? We won't let you in. Well, I said, I will be there. I gave them a good scare, and then I said, I will compromise the matter. If you two men will get down here and let me pray with you, I will let you off. I got those two sellers of alcohol down on their knees, one on one side of me and the other on the other side, 
and I prayed to God to save their souls and smite their business. One of them had a Christian mother, and he seemed to have some conscience left. After I had prayed, I said, How can you do this business? How can you throw this place open to ruin young men of Chicago? Within three months, the whole thing fell apart, and one of them was converted sometime after that. I have never been invited to a saloon since. You won't have to give up the world, not by a long shot. If you go to reunions and there is drinking, simply get up and go away. You don't need to be a party to it. That is the kind of people we need. When you find anything that is ruining your fellow men, fight it to the bitter end. Nehemiah said, We will not have desecration of the Sabbath. Today, people freely break the Sabbath and wonder why they have no spiritual power. The trouble today is that it doesn't mean anything to some people to be a Christian. What we must have is a higher type of Christianity in this country. We must have a Christianity that embraces the principle of self-denial. We must deny ourselves. If we want power, we must be separate. The next thing the Israelites were to do, and bear in mind they had to sign this, was to give their land rest. For 490 years, they had not let their land rest. So God took them away to Babylon for 70 years and let the land rest. A man who works seven days a week lives about five or ten years less. You cannot rob God. Why is it that so many railroad superintendents and physicians die early? It is because they work seven days a week. Nehemiah made them promise to keep the law of Moses. If the nations of the earth had kept that law, the truth would have gone to the four corners of the earth before now. Nehemiah then made them sign a covenant that they would not charge usury. They were just grinding the poor down. I believe that the reason we are in such a wretched state in this country today is because of taking advantage of the poor and getting such a large amount of money from charging interest. People evade the law, pay the interest, and then they give a few hundred dollars to negotiate the loan. There is a great amount of usury and see where we are today. See what a miserable state of things we are in, not only in this country, but all over the world. The fifth thing he made them do was to bring their first fruits to the sons of Levi. They were to give God a tenth, the first and the best. As long as Israel did that, they prospered, and when they turned away from that law, they did not prosper. You can look through history and look around you and see the same thing today. As long as people keep God's law and respect God's testimony, they are going to prosper. But when they turn aside like Samson, they lose their strength and have no power. If you take these five things and carry them out, you will succeed in life and in following God. You may not necessarily be wealthy or even have an easy life, but you will be blessed and you will be in the will of God. Let us all do it personally. If it was good for those men, it is good for us. The moment we begin to rob God of time or talents, darkness and misery and wretchedness will come.